0: Hey, my name is Josh Korak. I'm a mental health counselor in the northern Colorado area. In this space, I get the chance to interview professionals in the field, talk about mental illness, self-care, and so much more. With this show, I ask you to join me in doing what one of my favorite philosophers, a Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat says: Smile, breathe, and go slowly. This is Care with Korak. hey everyone it's josh hope everyone's doing well as always hope everyone's getting a chance to get outside and enjoy some of this beautiful other for as uh, as long as we can have it right A uh, fun little thing tidbit i guess by the time this episode comes out i will be in the beautiful country of spain with some of my best friends maddie and maddie yes they're both named maddie uh who actually get to talk about at least one of them some during this episode uh if you're wanting to see me post some cool travel pics give me a follow at josh korak Traveling, as we know, is a great way to unplug and relax, and I realize that I'm pretty fortunate to be able to travel during this period of COVID. So I hope for those who may not be able to have that same opportunity for whatever reasons, um, that you're continuing to engage in your own self-care and relaxation, because that is important. Some of you may not even know what self-care is uh, or what it's supposed to look like. Don't worry, I got you. Someday soon, I'm going to put something together about some different self-care strategies, relaxation, and self-regulation techniques, and different things like that, that I promise you will absolutely blow your mind. I just finished my trauma training, so I'm actually just waiting to hear back uh, officially, but I am about to be a certified trauma professional. So... That's exciting uh, and in this training I learned a lot of really great um, techniques and tricks uh, that honestly I keep describing as the key to stress because it, it, it kind of is. It's, it's the key to not have stress anymore. So now that I've kind of hyped you up, uh, you're going to have to wait on that a bit because today uh, I'm joined with uh, a wonderful guest, uh, Gracie Piercy. Gracie is a first year Master's of Public Health student specializing in health promotion at the University of Oklahoma. After graduating in the spring with a bachelor's in community health, she quickly realized her passion for healthcare went far beyond the bedside. Gracie strives to fight for health equity and recognition for all. Currently, she works as a graduate researcher studying social determinants of health, diversity, and inclusion in healthcare. Gracie has hope that one day, healthcare will be a right, not a privilege, and that mental health will be recognized as equal to physical health. Gracie and I have been friends for several years now. Uh, We went to high school together, and um, it was so fun to have her come on the show and get to reconnect in this way. In this episode, Gracie and I get to reflect on some of our experiences during high school and what it would have been like to share about our mental health journey during that time. We talk about the connection between our work with public health and mental health, and how we try to keep boundaries between home and working with clients. And we talk about Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. What? You'll have to tune in to find out more. If you want to follow along Gracie's journey with public health, give her a follow at gracie.pearcy. That's Piercy. Follow me at Josh Korak for some more mental health content, including podcast updates. I'm starting to put out some mental health book recommendations, been doing some positive affirmations, and soon to be even more mental health content. So well, hey, let's not waste any more time and let's get into it. This is Care with Korak with Gracie Pearson. <laughs>
1: How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Long time no talk.
0: It's been a little bit. I'm trying yeah. to think of the last time we actually hung out.
1: Yeah, I think it was um Christmas before COVID, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> With Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right now her.
1: Maddie's like a world traveler.
0: I know. She's in uh where's she at now? She's in Greece. I think she's still in yeah. Athens. So Yeah. Yeah, she's going Big all over stuff. the place. But
1: no kidding. Oh yeah,
0: well hey. Um well cool. It's good to see you. And yeah, um, good to see you. Yeah, update me on what's been going on in life for you.
1: Oh, um, I graduated from OU um and with my undergrad and I like immediately jumped into um my master's program in public health Mm -hmm. and so I've just been doing that I moved into a house I lived by myself for the first time um I got a dog yeah so um I feel like (laughs) kind of like an adult light um I'm like okay I'm keeping a dog alive I'm keeping some plants alive Mm-hmm. um i'm getting myself You're to frightened. class yeah <laughs> so it's all you can ask for right
0: yeah that's fine that's like my life right now too you know i'm living by myself just got a dog too yeah well, not just. it's been about a year but um, what a sweet yeah. pup i know right? yeah yeah what kind of dog um, do you have
1: i have a lab um he's nine i stole him from my parents not really but <laughs> he was living with my parents and then i was like is there any chance you'd let me take him to Norman? And they were like, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So,
1: yeah, here that's we cool. are. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, um, yeah. So, what made you want to reach out and be on the show?
1: You know, um, something that I've learned really through COVID, I think, is that, like, every Everything I look at is through a public health lens um and something that we talk about often in class is how mental health affects your overall health so much um, mm. but nobody talks about it number yeah. one and number <laughs> two um there are all these like huge health interventions to like help cardiovascular disease um get treatment for diabetes which are all very important things and things that need to be addressed. But there are hardly any public health interventions to like create universal access for mental health or um, get people who can't afford mental health care mental health care when they need it, right? And so it makes you wonder, like, how mm-hmm. are these mental health issues that are prominent in the United States, um, yeah. like, how is nobody noticing this? Why is it not getting fixed? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's huge, right? Yeah. Uh, Can you, so help explain for me a little bit, because I'm not super familiar. What is like a public health program? Like what all goes into that? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I um, am getting my concentration in health promotion. And so really what I'm looking Mm -hmm. at, at on a daily basis is like, how can we educate the general public on health disparity? Um, How can we make health equitable for everybody Um, and how can we take these huge issues, right, like mental health that affect overall health um, and are Mm -hmm. making people die sooner um, or have a bad quality of life and Mm -hmm. flip it on its head, create an intervention that could help a population as a whole. Um, so public health, instead of looking at the individual, looks at the community um, and says, OK, okay. Yeah. like there is a there is a large mental health issue in, let's say, Boulder, Colorado. Why? Um, and it's going to look at the whole community, not just, you know, one individual person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What um what made you want to go into that field?
1: Um, so I wanted to be a nurse pretty much my whole life. You know that. Um, yeah. All through high school and all really three and a half years of college. That was my path. I got accepted to nursing mm-hmm. school. I was ready. Um, what did and you then get your
0: undergraduate in?
1: I actually got it in community health. Um, okay. So that's like a, a little sector of public health. Um mm. and then covid came <laughs> and what i realized working at a clinic at OU is that covid was affecting people um of different races of different um genders of different communities in a completely mm. different way than it was affecting you know the typical white male right, right. and yeah. i i was asking the question like why why is that happening? And so one of my professors was like, have you looked into public health? I was like, no, I want to be a nurse. And then she's (laughs) like, you should look into it. And I did. And here we are. Now we have completely switched our um, tune.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's great. Um, So like with public health, um, are you wanting to like, specifically look at mental health or is it more just health in general, physical health? What, what are so, the different types of health that you can look like, I guess?
1: So you can pretty much look at anything. Cause I would challenge you to name something that doesn't affect your health. I doubt right. you could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so public health is that right. Like there is literally nothing that doesn't affect your health. Um, but for me, I have had some mental health issues through high school and college that Mm -hmm. really have affected my day-to-day life. And I had no idea how to get help. Um, I had no idea who to ask. I had no idea. I was embarrassed. I was Mm shame. Like I had shame. Um, And it turns out like, I was pretty normal. Like, it was like a normal mental health issue, right? That like, is like something that people deal with all the time, but Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Like I thought I was for sure the only human on the earth who was dealing with mental health issues. And that's kind of what I want to look into because I think in public health is because I think people are starting to deal with mental health younger and younger. Like that age just Mm -hmm. keeps going down and down and down. and. If I felt like that in high school, like I was like a teenager, what about like a 12-year-old who's right. like, I don't feel right. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I don't want my um like future children to grow up in a world where they think mental health is bad. Right. Um because yeah, it's not. It-
0: no. It's but but you definitely hit on some really key points that are really salient, right? And in- Yeah in terms of mental health awareness and, and just that overall stigma that still exists, unfortunately, um, no matter how, how hard we try and fight against it. And and that's part of the reason why I started this, right, is to help be able to reduce some of that stigma. And so I'm really glad that you wanted to come on and talk about some of this, but. Yeah,
1: for uh, sure. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. But yeah, it is interesting, isn't it that you know you mentioned this idea of shame, right, this feeling of I am bad, right for experiencing the feelings, the um, the the thoughts, the situations that I'm in in life, uh which like you said are are part of the human experience, right and yet for right. some reason, we have um, made that such an isolating experience and and not been able to come together as a community to address that
1: right which is so funny to me because I look back on high school now knowing what I know about first of all high schoolers second of all hindsight and third (laughs) mental health and I'm like everybody was struggling with their mental health like there were very few people whose mental health was like completely normal and great, and mm-hmm. like they were thriving, right? We were in a high stress situation. Um, and we were in this like, we went to a small school, and yep. um, it didn't take a lot to like shoot at your mental health, right? But I, well,
0: especially at JA, right?
1: Ex- exactly, yeah. And I had just moved from Oklahoma, I didn't know anybody, right? And mm-hmm. so Um, what I, what I know now is that, and what I wish I would have done is said like, hello, I'm struggling. Somebody help me. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead I was like, nobody can know. Nobody can know that I feel this way. Nobody can know that I'm going to therapy. Like Mm -hmm. I have to live in this tiny box. And that in itself is a community issue. Like, I would be interested to hear, like, how many high schoolers feel that way?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And who knows?
0: Mm-hmm. What would have have been like for you to share that in high school, that you were struggling with these various mental health issues, that you were in therapy? Like, what would that experience have been like for you?
1: For me, like, what I thought was that it'd be very shameful. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, you know, I'm still friends with my friend, my friend group from high school, right? And like, for instance, Maddie and I, like, we can talk openly now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I call her all the time and I'm like, you will never guess what (laughs) happened in therapy today, right? And we talk about it, we go on and we're proud of each other. And then we end the phone call and it was, it was therapeutic, right? To talk to a good Mm. friend about what you talked about in therapy. Yeah. But in high school, I was like, I will definitely lose my friends if Mm. people know. So I already felt isolated and I felt like sharing my struggles would have isolated me more.
0: Yeah. Um, If if people know what?
1: If people knew that I was struggling, if people knew that I was going to therapy, if people knew that I was having to take medicine to feel normal, right? Mm -hmm. And... So what I did instead was isolate myself.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: took the medicine. I went to therapy. I tried to get help silently. Mm. And in turn, that made an already isolating issue 10 times more isolating.
0: Yeah. Wow. I feel like we need to give a little bit of context, too, to like the kind of school environment we grew up in. Right, Cause yeah. how long were you at JA? When did you first go to J? JA?
1: So just high school. I went freshman okay. to senior year.
0: Okay, that's right. Yeah, so Gracie and I met in high school. Right, we both went to uh, Jefferson Academy uh, High School. I mean, I was. I've been going to J JA from uh, since I was in first grade. And that's how I met our, our mutual friend, Maddie, um, Maddie Wall. Shout out. I'm sure she'll probably listen <laughs> to this. But, um, love her. Love her. Love her. <laughs> so great. Um, But GA, it was such a unique school, I think. um, It was a charter school, so it was, it was definitely smaller. It wasn't a public school. So I think we only had, at the time at least, we had maybe 400 students total, if that.
1: Yeah. I would like say a graduating 100%. class usually stayed below 100.
0: Yeah. Like by the time we actually graduated, my class was 93 students. Still? And I think
1: mine was 88.
0: Oh, really? So yours was even smaller.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So pretty small school. So everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody's business, which I think we could elaborate on a little bit more. Um, yeah. And JA was very much like college prep right like I think there's yeah. a reason that you know you and me and like so many others have gone on to like not even just get their bachelor's but get their master's or go to med school and uh, get their doctors and it was very achievement focused um, very your your status was based on what you could achieve right definitely specifically with school and... and also some some sports too and things like that.
1: For sure. And I mean, I don't want to drag Jay. I obviously have issues <laughs> with Jay cuz like here we are talking about it. Right. Um but they had their perks, right? I feel like I went to college yeah. way more prepared than I, I would understand. have um going to a public school. And also, sometimes the small atmosphere, especially coming in as a freshman, haven't mm. even lived in the state of Colorado for 6 months. Um a smaller atmosphere was great until it wasn't. Right. Um, because just like you said, like one thing goes wrong and everybody knows about it. Everybody um, knew. And everybody's yeah. talking about it. I mean, you know this, um uh, the summer after I graduated I got brain surgery. Right. Um and everybody knew. Like I got yeah. diagnosed and I felt like people knew the details before I knew the details. <laughs> um like, yeah. my parents had made a call to the school counselor, um, kind of giving her the 411. And all of my teachers knew before I could even tell them, mm, yeah. which is isolating because you yeah. walk in and you're thinking, like, I need, you know, a couple days to process this. And they're, mm. like, looking at you with these puppy dog eyes. What do you need, sweetie? And you're like, how do you know that? Right. Like, what? And then before your process, the entire school knows. Mm, And that is just one example because the drama at that school (laughs) was nothing (laughs) like I ever experienced. Yeah. There were some mean, mean people at that school. (laughs) Yeah. To be candid, because it was so small it was hard to stay out of the drama
0: yeah oh yeah
1: and you could not um for in my situation I could not get away from the drama no matter how hard I tried Mm -hmm. and I tried yeah I tried hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah it was very uh I mean there were definitely the clicks right um yes <laughs> uh, like every other school, I'm sure, but um, I think what made it different was even though there were still the cliques, everybody still knew everybody's business, and it still made it that much more exclusive in those groups. Uh, because right,
1: and because it was so small, business. we're, like, under a microscope, right? Yeah, I mean, at even, this like, point...
0: physically, right? Like, the school itself was yeah. just really small. Like, you could be standing yes. in the commons, and literally just see the the entire school right I mean I know they've grown now but
1: they and it's incredible to me because the school just on social media and even like reconnecting with some of my teachers seems like such a much healthier place to be right Mm. like yeah it it's growing and I have I've reconnected with some teachers who perhaps were not my favorite humans um when mm-hmm. I was in school but have quickly become um people who I enjoy talking to because I'm like I have hindsight, you have hindsight and yeah. what you know now is that like perhaps you as the adult should have stayed out of my business. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right? Cuz yeah, like, even the teachers would get involved.
1: Which, like, talk about, like, back to the mental health. Okay. So, like, I'm depressed. I'm taking Zoloft. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, got in a little tiff with a friend. Every single teacher knows about it. Now I want to go to my teacher who I trust and say, I'm depressed. I'm taking Zoloft. And they're like, honey, you don't need to be so dramatic. Like, it was just one fight. yeah. And you're like, my issue is much bigger than that one little fight I got in with my friend.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? You, yeah. Do you feel like teachers, I mean, we can only speak within our experiences, right? And, right. And, you know, obviously neither of us are trained to be teachers. But, right. you know, hindsight with, with the experiences you have now, do you feel like teachers are adequately prepared to handle general mental health
1: no I don't um I think uh, I think we are teachers first of all talk about being under a microscope right like when you're a teacher you're being asked to like be a teacher be a friend be like a leader you're being asked to play so many roles yeah And I think, like, there are real mental health crises that happen at school in the classroom. And when a teacher is staring at 25 students and one of them is having a mental health crisis, they are not, they've never been told how to handle that. Mm -hmm. Because I think teachers assume what possibly do you have to be upset about right now um but I don't think teachers think about what kids go home to
0: right yeah I mean there's obviously so many different factors involved with a student's life and I think you you bring up a good point right teachers have to play so many different roles um And I don't think it's necessarily fair to expect them to have to play. I mean, they're not mental health professionals, right? And so I'm glad that, you know, as, and maybe you can speak better to this. uh, Maybe you have more information on this. But from what I can tell, um, it seems like school counselors are starting to get dispersed into schools more than they were when we were younger. Um, You know, I don't know what that looks like with Jay specifically now. Like, I know him a lot was there, right? But um, I don't even think she works there anymore. I but,
1: to... I mean, this brings up a really good point, too. Um, You're not supposed to be scared of your school counselor. Yeah. Okay, like, maybe you need to cut this part out. I don't know. I don't know who <laughs> listens to your podcast. Um, I don't know
0: either. <laughs> but that that, right? that is a good point, right? You know, people man, I don't want to shame on here because I had really good experiences with personally. And so and I did I. That, yeah, okay, great. And a lot of people didn't. <laughs> right. Um,
1: was nothing but kind to me. Yeah. And she did have to get pulled into some mental health issues I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, And in that moment, she was exactly what I needed because she was an advocate for me. She was an advocate for you know, my family, and she was an advocate to my teachers to say, like, listen, cut her some slack, right? Like, Mm -hmm. give her a minute. But like you said, more times than not, that's not what was happening (laughs) in the front office. Just in the front office in general, right? Like, that front office of any school is like the hub for, I'm in trouble, I need help. Mm-hmm. you shouldn't be scared of that office yeah. that should be a it's place you take placed. refuge yeah. um and in most schools that's not what that is mm-hmm. so yeah. i guess yes um counselors need to be brought into schools mm-hmm. but wherever they put the counselors needs to be a place That any student knows that when they walk through those doors, they are loved, they are safe, they Mm -hmm. can say anything they need to say without judgment. Mm -hmm. And I think what most schools fail to do is put counselors in a place where the student feels safe coming to them in the first place. Mm -hmm. Is it private? Is it confidential if I tell you this are you gonna go tell all of your friends
0: right right all the like workers all the teachers
1: exactly if I say this, is the whole office gonna know right afterwards um and so I would argue that counselors their put pl- a counselor's place in school is a private place mm-hmm. they need For their sure. own office they need their ne- own space um in a place where nobody sees those students even walk into that office. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I think that would be great. You know, that that brings up something you know, that triggered a thought for me of like in in general counseling and it, and this is how it should be in school counseling as well. When whenever you meet with a client for the first time or a student for the first time, uh you go over what's called a disclosure statement, right? Which I'm sure you're familiar with. And a disclosure statement for my listeners is uh basically um has all the different information about counseling right it has you know contact information for the regulating board for counselors in case you have any complaints or grievances because you sh- you have the right to file grievances with your counselor right it has the information about um licensures and education backgrounds so you know okay I'm seeing a counselor and I see these credentials what do they mean right are they actually qualified to be seeing me right um, it has your rights as a client, right. It talks about how you're entitled to uh, you know ask questions in counseling and know what's going on, right you can You can get a second opinion from another counselor. you can terminate counseling at any point, and it goes over confidentiality, right. And so I could go on about it, but it it goes over all these really important things about here's how counseling looks like, right Here's some structure and that structure ultimately ends up providing some of that safety. And, and I don't know. I I mean, again, we can always speak from, from Jay, but I, I never remember getting disclosures and, and counseling and in school. No, I,
1: I don't either. And it's funny because in college, right. Or at least at OU, again, I can only speak from OU and my classes were public health focused. So, health mm-hmm. is a huge issue, um, or not a huge issue. It's a huge talk, top talking point. Um, and so, if you told your professor, listen, my mental health is not good, mm. or this happened to me, they would tell you, take a day, don't come to class.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Do what you need to do to take care of yourself let's talk tomorrow Mm -hmm. um and i know not every college slash um major has that privilege um and i understand that is a privilege um however no absolutely not
0: (laughs) right i think about like... like oh sorry go ahead
1: no, go
0: go. I was I was just gonna say, you know, I I remember reading or was I don't remember what it was. I I was taking in this information, but I remember hearing about this idea of like, you know, when when we think of like work, for example, right? And we take sick days, we we go in, um, you know, take time off for appointments or different things like that. And it's one thing to go in and say, you know, what I have, um, I broke my leg, right? And I need to take some time off of work, right? And then, but then it's another thing to say I am feeling suicidal, right? And and how differently that is treated in the workplace, right? And and we can transition that to school as well, I am sure, but um, it might look a little different. But you kind of also... get what I am going with that, like just just how differently we treat physical health versus mental health in terms of this idea of taking time off or taking time to rest and recover
1: oh for sure and you say you know they take time off for this or they take a sick day do they do mm-hmm. they take a sick day or do they just not go to work but they're constantly checking their email they tell their boss mm-hmm. hey i have the flu but i'm available by phone Mm-hmm. I can't get out of bed today, but if you need to call me, you do that. Yeah. Right? Like the boundaries of men- like the boundaries of protecting your mental health are
0: mm-hmm.
1: not there. And they need to be, and that comes from the highest person in the company. That comes from the boss saying My mental health is bad. I am going to take a break. Nobody contact me. Hmm. Because then the lowest person in the company says, well, she did it. I'm going to do it too. Hmm. Right? So if if we're not setting an example of good mental health, Mm -hmm. then of course mental health is bad.
0: Yeah. Well, that the idea of boundaries is so huge, right? I mean, it's something we really, I mean, I'm sure, I, I don't know how much you talk about in your program. In our program, we talked about a lot, right? Because it's just so important as like healthcare providers to, I, I say healthcare providers, especially, and we can generalize this in a second to everybody else. But um, when you're dealing with such heavy topics, you know, every day with people talking about suicide, talking about their health, talking about you know depression and anxiety and trauma and things like that it's really easy to take that on right and be overwhelmed by that and so being able to set those boundaries of like okay this is work right and when i'm at work i'm in work right i'm present i'm experiencing what they're they're having to say what they're bringing to the table and then when i'm at home i'm at home right and work does not have to follow me there (laughs) yeah the hand um (laughs) And that's so hard. That's so hard to do for some people. I mean, I say some it's so hard for me to do. I'm still growing in that for sure. It's you know, I feel like in some ways I do really well with that. Like I've I've had to and working in the the populations I've had to with um like the inpatient hospital and the jail where I'm at now, you know, dealing with really, really heavy stuff there. And so like there's times where it's like I can't take it home with me, otherwise I'm I'm just gonna lose it. I'm gonna fall apart. And and yet there's times where it just I can't help it, but it overwhelms me. Right? Um, I remember talking to my supervisor at the jail. Um, this was a few weeks ago now, and and it wasn't even like anything crazy. Like it was a typical day for me. I was meeting with a client in the jail, and I think what was hard for me was he was like my age. Like I think he was a couple years younger than me, and. And sitting across the table from him and hearing his story. You know, I think I was I was staffing him for suicide. Um so so assessing for suicide risk. And and he was fine. Um, but he was in jail basically just for substance use related issues, um, possession or or something like that, and and just and looking at him and hearing his story and hearing his struggles with his substance use and i'm like wow what is separating me from him right privilege i mean that's all it is like he grew up he was born into one family i was born into another and those and we just had those different experiences and and i just i don't have words for it you know i'm i'm at a loss for words even just reflecting on it now like it just i started crying to my supervisor i'm like this is so hard to see like somebody my age who has so much potential so much to give right and because you know he had an experience maybe where he got pressured into trying you know methamphetamines for the first time and that led to you know habitual use and that led to you know using other substances and polysubstance use and and just because i didn't have that experience i'm over here with my masters and uh you know working such great jobs and like you know it's just it's so it's amazing in one way and it's disheartening and heartbreaking and it's just like wow
1: definitely i think you bring up a really good point about how you talked about you know he was born into one family and you were born into another right mm-hmm. you know i think people hear the term social determinants of health or health equity and they think like oh that's for like third world countries right Mm, that happens like this that doesn't happen in the United States right wrong right like there are so many things from the day he was born the day he was conceived
0: Mm -hmm. to
1: the day he was put in jail that affected why That's where he ended up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And the truth of it is, he was going to end up there because he didn't have the support that he probably needed to stay out of that situation. Mm -hmm. Whether he had a single mom who worked three jobs to put food on the table, so he had no supervision Mm -hmm. or you know, maybe one of his parents was abusive or maybe his, one of his parents was an addict, right? Those are the social de- determinants of health that people assume like, oh, that affects whether or not I have insurance. No, mm-hmm. so, that determines your health outcome. And no. to really go full circle here, like your health outcome is not just your physical health. It's your physical health. It's your mental health and it's your overall well-being.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can really break apart all those different parts of health, right? I mean, there's there's physical health, there's uh mental health obviously, there's financial health, spiritual health, social health, right? You know, if we really break apart and look at it holistically of all the different aspects of what it means to be human, right? Having all these different areas yep. is is hard to balance. You know having these healthy levels where we can feel supported where we can feel like it's manageable and and you're totally right and you know sometimes it you know thinking on this idea of substance use right sometimes it doesn't even require these difficult upbringings right like have you ever seen the movie or read the the um the book i think i have it have you ever read um beautiful boy
1: yes yes i think have.
0: is the movie called beautiful boy or is it
1: just,
0: no. it's something different.
1: I've read it though. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah.
0: I did the opposite. I, I just got this book. So I haven't got a chance to read it, but I've, I've seen the movie with um, Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. And yeah, uh, I, I highly recommend re- uh, watching the movie too. I mean, I'm sure the book is, I'm, I'm very much a book person, but yeah, the movie I think does such a great job. I mean, just such good performances of um, representing what, substance use is like and the effects it has on the family and um for those of, I'm, I'm kind of speaking like that my audience might not know what i'm talking about but um there's a book there's actually two books uh there's beautiful boy and i forget what the other book is called i don't know i'll put it in the description but uh there's beautiful boy which is uh, a story written by a father of a son who um has a extensive uh, substance misuse struggle um and what it's like from his perspective and and now the son is sober and so he wrote a book and wrote it from his perspective so it's almost like a really cool uh dual-sided story um but the movie uh, is with uh steve carell and timothy chalamet and um, and at least from what i can tell from the movie's perspective you know he grew up in a, a loving family right uh but But it's it's so much more than that, right? I mean, there's so many experiences that can go into those things, and um, I guess I'm trying to think of like, you know, going back to this idea of the community and community perception of mental health. You know, going to this idea of stigma and you know how we look at things like substance use, how we look at things like suicide and depression and anxiety and trauma, PTSD and and how we view it you know we 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 generally view it pretty negatively or just not in a very affirming way right and when going back to you know what we were talking about with this guy in the jail like there's just so much that can go into the choices we make the mental health that we have um there's so many environmental influences right and so it's so easy, here's, here's, here's my roundabout point. It's so easy for us to look at somebody struggling with substance use, right? Look at a heroin addict and say, you did this to yourself, right? You're a failure. Your life is a mess. You're never going to get clean. You know, whatever messages we tell them and we do tell them these messages, right? Whether it's verbally, whether it's consciously, right? Through through the other ways that we communicate, Um, and it's so easy to just look at it in that surface level, right? Rather than looking at what led you to this point, right? What support did you not get? What love are you not receiving right now? You know, the way addiction was really explained to me that I've always held on to is substances. And we can, we can use this outside of addiction too, but substances are a key, that we are trying to use to unlock this need we have in our heart right it might be intimacy it might be connection it might be joy and pleasure right all good things and for whatever reason we're just not getting that in life it's those needs are not being met and so we're trying to meet that need by using substances and and it obviously doesn't end up working the best but um It's just so interesting to me that people can so quickly jump to conclusions about how they identify a person based off their mental health struggles that there's just so much more to it, right?
1: For sure. And like I said from the beginning, you know, there's just this community attitude that mental health is shaped, right? Like, if you're struggling you should feel shameful, number one. And number two, you better get that under lock quick. Like, you better fix that quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody told me when I was in high school, Um, you know, just starting to realize that, like, maybe I had some actual real OCD, right? Like, maybe um, the washing my hands was getting a little excessive, right? Like, Mm-hmm. and i was feeling depressed and i didn't really know why but i refused to take medicine like everybody was telling me like gracie this will help you like mm-hmm. this will not hurt you this will help you i refused and then finally somebody told me if you had the flu
0: yeah
1: and somebody had a like a miracle drug <clears throat> and SSRIs are not a miracle drug, but how it was put to me, somebody had a drug that could make you feel better. Would you take it? And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, so we're offering you a drug that most likely will make you feel better. Why won't you take it? Right. And it completely shifted my attitude, not only about mental health medicine, but about mental health in general. What I realized was that, like, I was depressed. So I didn't want to do anything but lay in bed, which was affecting my entire health,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Your ability to function in your day to day life.
1: Exactly. And I think, like, from a public health standpoint, and the point that I really wanted to get across to you in this Mm -hmm. podcast is that, like, me as a public health professional, I spend my day looking at how can I improve overall health? And what I'm learning is that like your brain, it matters. It matters. And if you don't take care of your brain, the rest crumbles. But if we're not giving humans resources to take care of their brain, how can we ask them to take care of their brain? Mm-hmm. and that's not fair because some people have to pay a lot of money to get mental health services a lot of money. that yeah. they don't have
0: most of the time n- insurance doesn't cover
1: exactly and it makes me as a public health professional ask the question what can i be doing to make mental health accessible and equitable? Because if you don't take care of your brain, the rest of you crumbles. Mm -hmm. And that is (laughs) what I was, I mean, yeah.
0: You know, you you brought up a good point, right? I mean, we take Tylenol for headaches, right? We take allergy medicine for our allergies, right? We take uh, antibiotics for um, infections, and we don't and think twice about medicine it when we're feeling depressed. Right. And that's not, you know, I think that's a careful line too. I got to say as a mental health professional, right. I don't, there is an issue of over-medicating going on, right. Where sometimes that's our first, you know, Oh, you're depressed. Let's just throw you an antidepressant. And we'll leave it at that. Right. Right. Um, which I think is an issue um, for sure typically when it comes to recommending medicine for my clients, I try to wait until, well, there, there's a few factors that will go into it, right? But it's really looking at the severity of how much is this impacting your daily functioning, right? Yep. Um, I typically want to see what coping skills they're already using to try and help manage those feelings, those moods that they're having um, before I put them uh, in front of a provider and and it's, it's needed sometimes, right, especially for more severe mental health, right? I mean, when you think of things like bipolar, OCD, trauma, maybe, um, you know, some of those more severe mental illnesses, uh, medicine, it, it, it's needed to help stabilize, right? If you're so manic, Definitely. coping skills aren't going to help. Right. There's an imbalance in that brain chemistry that that medicine is needed to help balance out. Right.
1: And, you know, in those terms, like it's your job to be like, I don't know if you need medicine yet. Mm -hmm. It's my job to be like, if you do need medicine, it should be free.
0: Yeah, it should be accessible.
1: Right. Or if you need a therapist, it should be free. Or it should be accessible. It should not cost a hundred dollars, $150 per session, so that you can talk about your demons, right? The things that make you unhealthy overall. And so, you know, I respect your job so much because I see a therapist regularly. Mm-hmm. Without that, I would be a very different person. Um And I always struggle with how one sided therapy is because I'm like, I should be asking about you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I spend 50 minutes talking about myself and my issues when I know good and well that you too have issues, right? It's such Um, an
0: interesting relationship, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. And so I am so impressed. Obviously, Josh, I'm so impressed by you. I think what you do is um incredible, and we have known each other for a long time and it's been so cool to see you grow um, into such an empathetic and impressive counselor um, and I applaud what you do because and I hope that one day I make your job easier <laughs> and that you get to see more patients and see more and make differences in people's lives because I make it accessible, mm-hmm. right. Or my field makes it accessible. Um, and that's where kind of a special collaboration comes.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> hey, thank you so much. I mean, that, that means a lot. Um, that makes me so happy. <laughs> um, and I, I really respect what you do. You know, I, it, it's, I, the idea of collaboration right um what you're doing is so needed right because Thank you. the reality is is god how many people you know i was looking the other day and uh, a popular resource to find a counselor is, is something called psychology today and so i was browsing through psychology today and looking at all the different counselors in the area just just out of curiosity and i was like wow there's there's actually kind of a lot like there's there's pages and pages of counselors And I'm like, why is it that like, we're still constantly booked and all these counselors are constantly like have full caseloads with so many, and this is Justin Greeley. And I'm like, it's because (laughs) there's so many people who need to be seen for their mental health. And I'm thinking, you know, how many more are not being seen because of inaccessibility? right because yep. of money because of location because of any other sort of barriers right culture um language barriers is a huge thing right yeah um so the work that you're doing is is so cool to see as well and i've also just been able you know been so excited to see you go and um and see you you grow and and just even hearing you talk now I mean you're so articulate (laughs) like we've we've never had a conversation like this before it's really cool to have with you and um yeah and so yeah I mean it'd be fun to just continue to to have these conversations and collaborate and um for sure and I um together on some projects yeah no kidding
1: I was (laughs) just thinking like wow um like you know we uh for the listeners We didn't run in the same circle in high school until the very end. Um, And what a shame looking back now. uh, What a shame because, um, like I said, this has been so fun and I wish I didn't have to jump off for my job. Um, But, you know, um, it is always just so fun to catch up. I know Mm -hmm. I'm not in Colorado often, but um, I love seeing you when I am in Colorado and I hope that. One day we can continue this conversation over a drink. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> um, definitely.
1: And just uh, you know, keep talking about it because I think yeah. the more that we talk about it, um, the more that we shed light on these issues, the more likely they are to get noticed.
0: Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um Any last words of wisdom that you want to share? I always like to give a little bit of space for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my wisdom is and what I wish I would have known in high school is that, first of all, you're never alone, which is so cringy, but you're not Mm -hmm. alone. You're not the only one struggling. And number two, like lean on your people. Tell your people what's going on. Um, Vulnerability is so underrated. Um, especially in high school. Um, But gosh, it can be so powerful. Um, And so be vulnerable, have those conversations. And if you're struggling with your mental health, get help. Um, Ask for help, demand help, advocate for yourself. Um, And if you can't advocate for yourself, find someone who can.
0: Mm -hmm. And you'll keep doing the work for them too. I'm sure. And
1: I, I mean, I will be an advocate, <laughs> message me on Instagram. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, I'm basically getting a master's degree in advocating. So, um, but How yeah, cool I mean, <laughs> right. Um, demand the health that you deserve. Um, mm-hmm. And mental health is health for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 100% yeah well hey thank you so much for your time i know you're busy thank you it's a lot to have you on here and
1: thank you and um let's stay in touch and when i'm home for christmas let's get the gang back together. together
0: yeah for sure yeah